Senior citizens are valuable. We are valuable more than any of the younger generation. We have silver in our hair. We have gold in our teeth. We have stones in our kidney. We have lead in our feet. And we are loaded with natural gas. <laughs> well, some more than others. So welcome senior citizens here this morning and everybody else. I know we're just going to have a good time because of the presence of God is here. It's all about his presence. You know, last night, uh, I must admit, I just couldn't settle down to prepare this. And so a bit of anxiety came. Carol had to pay, pray with me outside because I said, you know what, it was like almost like a nightmare when you want, you know you've got to do something, yet you just can't. That was me last night. Then I thought, you know, it's not about what I share this morning. It's, a, it's because he's here. It's because he wants to share with us this morning. He wants to minister to each one of us this morning. And as I was thinking about just him in our midst this morning, this is what I came up with was this. It's a truth. He is our peace. He is the Lord of peace. He's the Lord who gives us joy, who gives us love, who enables us to love. He is our inheritance. That's our inheritance in Christ Jesus. But we are also his inheritance. He has brought us with a great price. He has brought us by his blood. Paul prays over the Ephesians, and he says this, I pray that you will receive wisdom and revelation. Why? To know him better. To know what is ours in Christ Jesus. To know our inheritance that we have in him. And we can go, ooh, that's me. I'm now stuck in the... In this thing? Okay. Sorry, something always happens. Can we go there? Thing. I nearly left my shoe behind, so I would have been rather up and down. Anyway, <laughs> he wants us to discern. He wants us, that's why he gives us wisdom and revelation. He wants us to discern what is right. Don't laugh. And what... <laughs> And what is wrong? What is a lie and what is a truth? Then we will know how to walk in peace. Then we will have peace. Because it's the truth that sets us free. John says, the enemy has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But God instead wants us to take a hold of everything that he has taken a hold of us for. In 2 Thessalonians 3.18, it says this, Now the Lord of peace himself, now the Lord, the peace himself, give you peace always, in every way. The Lord be with you always. Three things about that verse. The Lord himself, intimacy. The Lord 
himself. Then goes on, the Lord himself give you peace always. Means he's consistent. He's always giving us his peace. It's always available to us. He's consistent. Then the Lord himself give you peace in every way. No matter what situation you find yourself, the Lord himself, that intimacy, that we know him, give you peace in every way. He's always with us. His peace is always available because he is with us. Not only do we have a savior that calms the storm, but Hebrews tells us, but in Christ we have an anchor that securely positions us in a safe place. He, we have an anchor in him. We are securely positioned in him. John 3.16 tells us that in this world we will have troubles, but in him we may. It's a choice. We may have peace. Do the storms shipwreck us, or do we see ourselves positioned in him, who is our safe place? For me, I would think of an occasion where he was like my safety net. And Ian and I went off to a fair, or somewhere near Durban, with an old... Um, Driving was. Do you, any of you remember? It's senior citizens here, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and there was this huge tent, like a circus tent. And um, we had just finished a service in this area, and we went there with the children. And there was this rope ladder right near the top of the tent, and there was a bike that they were riding across, you know, most on the rope. And while Ian was talking to some of the people, I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to try this. <laughs> and so I climbed up the rope right to the top, and I, they gave me a bike. I sat on it, but before I knew what to do, my feet wouldn't touch the pedals. <laughs> and I suddenly knew I'm in trouble. I can't reach the pedals. I can't ride across. The next minute, I took off, and I went, I landed in the middle where there's like a dip before you get, I mean, it must be from about there to there. I landed in the dip and I couldn't get across because I couldn't reach the pedals to get across. I screamed for help and, I, and there was a net right far below me so that if you had a problem and you fell, you could land in the safety net. Well, when I looked down there, I mean, I'm now I'm wobbling. Obviously, it's attached to whatever because you could wobble. But and now I thought I'm going to hang upside down. <laughs> so I thought, well, what I've got to do is just let go and land in the net. But when I looked so far down and saw this net, I now thought, what if I land on my head? What if I bounce and then land on the ground? And I didn't think it was very safe after all. Anyway, what happened, I don't know, because I think I must have stood up and pedaled. I don't know, because the next minute I was on the other side, having everybody wondering what was going on. And I suddenly thought, you know, the Lord is our safe place, but sometimes we wonder, oh, Lord, are you there? Are you there? 
Can I really trust you? Because when I looked at that safety net, I didn't trust it. And I thought, Lord, you say you are always with us. You are our safe place. And yet sometimes we think, are you really there, Lord? Are you really there for me? Can I trust you in this? You know, when Ian passed away, I believed like we ordered he would be healed. Yes, he's triumphantly healed now. But I thought when he passed, when I, can I really trust you? Are you really the healer? And then up inside we would rise up. He does not change. Our circumstances does not cause him to change. He is not a liar. He is who he says he is. He is our healer. He is our deliverer. Don't understand everything, but I know this. No matter what, he doesn't change. He is our healer and our deliverer. So one of God's titles is Jehovah Shalom, meaning peace. And that peace means this, wholeness or harmony. Wholeness or harmony. Nothing missing, nothing broken. You know, how often we are not walking in harmony our mind is saying one thing, our emotions are saying another thing, our heart is saying something else, and we have all this going on in us. There's no harmony. Therefore, we cannot be walking in peace. And peace is this harmony. Our body, our thoughts, every part of us is aligned to who Jesus says he is. He's our peace. In the word, in Jeremiah 29.6, it says, seek the peace and the prosperity of the city where I put you. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. If it prospers, you too will prosper. Where there's peace, we will prosper. That word seek means to pursue after. Pursue after peace. We've got to pursue, we've got to take a hold of it. We, in prospering, it means this, that because I'm walking in peace, I'm in harmony. I'm prospering in him because everything is in harmony. How often we find ourselves in that space. I know I don't. I know I'm not always there. You know, when I'm not there and I feel anxious and I feel fearful and I feel concerned, which can easily happen to me, I ask myself questions. I do some self-talk. And I say to myself, why, Roseanne, do you feel anxious? What's making you anxious? Let's look at the situations that you have found yourself in. Have I said something I shouldn't have? Have I done something I shouldn't have? And then I ponder that. And if the Lord so, shows me something, if I can make it right, I make it right. And in those situations, say, okay, Lord, this is what's making me anxious. And yet I know you are with me. And yet I know you will see me through. And yet I know you are my peace. I am pursuing peace 
in this situation. If it's something I haven't done, and you know what it's like when you, you put something off and you put something off and you put something off, you never really have peace because you keep thinking, I should be doing it, but I don't feel like it. And so we procrastinate. And when I come to that place, I say to myself, what is causing you to be anxious? And when I discover, well, it's because I have not done this or that, I've procrastinated, then I say, okay, you're going to get that done. That's the first thing you're going to get done so that I can come into peace. What is it that causes us not to walk in peace? Maybe we need some self-examination where we can put these things right and pursue his peace so we can walk in that harmony. You know, with fear, I have to keep reminding myself, Jesus is with me. And I won't allow those thoughts that come to take me captive to immobilize me. The word says we have to take every thought captive and bring it to Jesus. You, I've told you before, I, I hate airplanes, but I still get into them because I'm not going to be grounded. I hate lifts. I hate confined spaces. I did say once, when I went into a lift and there was a gentleman there, I didn't know him, and the lift gave a bit of a shudder, I said to him, I give you permission to knock me out if it sticks. <laughs> I said, just, just knock me completely out. Um, I did, I gave him that permission. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, there was a time when um, Ian and I, we used to love fishing in St. Lucia and all these places. We used to have fun, and we hired a boat and to go on St. Lucia um, Lake, whatever it is, and we went with two small children, Susan and John, who were about six and seven, well, about six and seven. George, we left behind with my sister, and we took Ian's mom with us and dad, and oh, we hired this boat, we got onto the boat. I always laugh because Ian's mom and she knows this because we've had good laughs together. She was always and is always addressed immaculately. So she went fishing in all this white, beautiful outfit, hair done, makeup, her little hats, the whole works. Something, you're going fishing in that? Anyway, we get on the boat, we sail, we go off the shore. No sooner had we gone a little way then the boat started taking in water. Now we're in where all the crocodiles are, the hippos are, you name it, and the water's coming, it takes away our, our um, hats, glasses, shoes. We are now in water. The boat goes down, and we are now, Ian's mom, me, and trying to help the children. She can't swim. So that makes it wonderful. How I'm meant to carry three, I'm not sure. But anyway, luckily it came up to me here. And um, so we managed to grab hold of the children and wade through that lake to what is called Crocodile Island. <laughs> Talk about peace. We get there, Ian and his dad are now diving down, pulling the boat back up. 
and then emptying water. And I'm screaming and waving at all these other boats that are passing. I think they thought we were, going, we were having a picnic on Crocodile Island because they just waved like this and I'm screaming. Um, eventually, in and they get their boat, turn it over, empty the water, they get to us, we get back on, no sooner we take off, then it starts sinking again. Well, we just rammed the side of the river, and we had to get out, the ladies, because now they had to somehow manage to get the boat back to where we hired it. So now we're walking through reeds, where you can see the hippo's feet and the sliding of the crocodiles. We're walking through that, and all I can think of is I've got to get my children to safety. We no shoes, nothing. But I must admit, I looked at my mother-in-law, and I burst out laughing. <laughs> she went in that boat looking all glam, came out with makeup dripping down here, everywhere, her, her beautiful white outfit, black, and I must admit, I did laugh all the way back, because, you know, laughter gets rid of fear, hey? Laughter gets rid, if it's, laughter is as good as medicine. If we can laugh, we can come into his peace, because laughter will destroy fear and anxiety, if we can just see some of the funny things. And, um, yeah, just that laughter. So, um, yeah, that's my little story there. <laughs> I've got lots of stories. And then um, we read about, in, I think it's in Samuel, 2 Samuel 20. I'm not going to read the account because it's a long account. You can just go through it at home. But we, there's a city it talks about a city called Abel Beth Marker. And the name means this, the inheritance, the Lord's inheritance. Isn't that wonderful? There's a city called the Lord's inheritance. It was known to be a peaceful city. It was a place, it says, where people went to get wise counsel. And in that city, it tells us of a woman. It doesn't give her name because what the important thing is this. She was, she was known to be a wise woman. That's what she was known for. Um, and the city was called peaceful, peaceful. You know, a city cannot be called peaceful unless people of peace live there. And so the people of peace lived in the city. And now, here was a city, God's inheritance, but somebody, and David was king at that time, and one of David's men, called Sheba, rebelled against David, and he took some of David's men, and he went to the city to find refuge, and he ended up in the city. Well, no longer could this city be called peaceful because here was one who was rebellious. They were harboring rebellion in the city. And David says to Joab, his chief of army and man of army, and he said to him, take the men, go and pursue Sheba. And they go and they get to the city walls and they can't get in. So they start demolishing, trying to demolish those city walls. And this lady, this wise lady, stands up and she shouts, listen to me. What is it you want? 
And Job shouts and he says, I want the head of Sheba. So she, no problem to her, makes a plan, goes back, calls the people together. They get Sheba. She decapitates him and throws the head over to Joab. Quite gruesome, isn't it? But you see, if we want to live in that place of peace and victory, there are things that we have to throw out. There are things that we have to immobilize. There are thought patterns that we've got to get rid of. The word says, take every thought captive, give it to Jesus, throw it out. What are we doing with those? Because then what we are harboring is not peace, but anxiety and fear. So like this woman, we need to say, we are the inheritance of God. And we're not going to allow the peace that we have in Christ to be destroyed. So every thought, because we know the battlefield is in the mind, it's not waged with tanks and guns and everything else. This is the battlefield. We need to take a hold of those thoughts. We need to decapitate them. We need to displace them, and we need to take them captive. That's what we need to be doing. We need to be keeping the ground, the place that God has given to us, and he has come. I am your peace. We have to pursue that peace. When those thoughts come, we've got to pursue peace as we take those thoughts captive. You know, we can't live in peace if we find ourselves serving two masters. We can't live in peace. If we're taking on what the enemy wants, because he's come to steal kill and destroy. He wants to destroy our peace. But if we're allowing him to, then we are also serving him because we're allowing him to do the things that he's come to do. We've got to say, no, enough is enough. We are not against flesh and blood, the word says, but we're up against principalities and powers and rulers and authorities. We overcome the activities and the strategies of the enemy, not through um, coming against a person or the thought, but by spirit, the Holy Spirit, who the word says is powerfully at work in us, powerfully, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. You see, to come against the enemy, his spirit, we need the Holy Spirit, because we're not up against flesh and blood. We need the Holy Spirit. And then we can say, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Later on, we see that this city, the Lord's inheritance, which was about to be invaded, is now restored. Because the lady, that wise woman, can we be called wise people? Wise people don't allow the strategies of the enemy to dictate to them. Wise people. And so she put that plan into action. I wonder what plans we put into action. What plans do we put into action when these thought patterns come to us, when these fears, lies? What are the things that we do to get rid of them. There's a saying that says this, you can't stop birds flying overhead, but you can stop them nesting 
in your hair. So the thing we've got to do is not dwell on those things. Because the more we dwell on the hurts and everything else that has taken place, the more we dwell on it, the more it becomes part of us. And we need to do something. We're told not to give the enemy a foothold. Not to give him a foothold. Uh, when I read the gospel, it tells us that Jesus went into the wilderness for 40 days and was tempted. But when he came out, and we know he wasn't tempted, the devil says, to, says I will come back at an opportune moment. And I thought, of course, Jesus never gave him an opportune moment. Do we give him an opportune moment? Do we keep standing and saying, no, I'm not going to give you an opportune moment? Then we have to take every thought captive. Because if we don't, we're giving him an opportune moment. I love this David, when handing over the kingdom to Solomon, prayed this over him. He said, be bold, be courageous, be full of zeal, be fearless. You know, the word says violent men, women, take a hold of the kingdom. That it means this, to be energetic, to take action. When we take action, we're energetic, we take ground for the kingdom. If we remain passive, we don't take any ground. We've got to be energetic. We've got to be full of action, full of zeal, because those are the people that take the kingdom. So no wonder David was saying to Solomon, be full of action. Be full of zeal. Don't let the strategies of the enemy delay you from doing all that God has purposed for you to do. If you want this kingdom advanced, then you've got to be full of action. Then you've got to be bold. Then you've got to be courageous. This woman wasn't intimidated. She knew her, her, her authority. She knew who she was in Christ. She stood up. She took action. And she destroyed the enemy. Are we those people? Do we stand up? Do we say enough is enough? Let's pursue peace. Let's pursue his peace in our homes, in our families, in ourselves. Let's pursue him. Jeremiah 1.17 says, get yourself ready. Start, stand up and say to them whatever I command you. Do not be terrified by them or I will terrify you before them. Today I have made you a fortified city, an iron pillar, a bronze wall to stand against the kings of Judah. They will fight against you, but will not overcome you, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord, because I, the Lord of peace, is with you. I will fight for you. You are a fortified city. You are in my safe place. You are the Lord's inheritance. Don't let the enemy come and rob you of what is rightfully yours in Christ 
Jesus. Let's pursue peace. The word says the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Powerful. It's powerful. That effective, fervent, it means being hot. It means taking action. It's not a passive, passive thing. And to the pulling down, we are powerful when we pray that to the pulling down of strongholds and setting the captives free. Romans 13, 11. Paul gives us some instructions on how to live. Understand the present times. Understand where you're at. The hour has come for you to wake up from slumber. Arise, arise. Then he continues on, on how to live our lives for God's glory. It's about showing forth his glory, his power, his might. There's in our end now. And um, Psalm 16, the Lord himself is my inheritance. The Lord himself is my inheritance. He's my prize. He is the food and drink, my highest joy. He guards all that is mine. He sees that I'm given pleasures, brooks, meadows as my share. That's peace. I will bless the Lord who counsels me, who gives me wisdom in the night, and he tells me what to do. He is the one who gives us wisdom. 